Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, Episode 7. I am in flux, constantly going in and out of clarity, confusion, and the more I let go of a desire to be in one or the other, the more freedom I experience. And I am suspicious that my moments of confusion are really just clarity forming. So I don't think that I'm going to resist confusion because I think that they are a vital part of clarity coming to fruition. And so if you're feeling confused, just embrace that. Ride it out. Don't rush it. And what you'll find is that it ends faster than it would if you were resisting it and trying to find some concept of clarity. Because the concept of clarity is not the reality of clarity. And if you're thinking about clarity as a concept, that is evidence that you're confused. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Duelist Community Raw, episode seven. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today, as always, but we're just going to start talking. We've got some, uh, some exciting stuff coming up there as we go into the Christmas holidays and the new year. We've got some some interesting guests that are going to be on the show, including one that we're recording with later on today. I'm not going to spoil it for everyone, but um, yeah, we're very excited. And I wanted to say, actually, while everybody's here, if you have a particular speaker or a particular creator or celebrity that you think would be an ideal guest for Dualistic Unity, we'd love to know who that is. So join us on Discord throw us a, a suggestion for a speaker or someone to have on the show, and we will put it in the list and do our best to do so. Um, at the moment, there are a number of people on our list that uh, we've reached out to that haven't heard from yet. Um, some of them require a bit of a gift slash donation. So at some point, we might look towards raising money for that, because um, admittedly, we're not in a position to offer a thousand or several thousand dollars to any speaker to come on the show at the moment. We just want to entice people to come on, come on to the show for a worthwhile conversation. That's interesting for all parties. Cause that's really, that's the benefit here. And why not? Why not kill an hour or two talking about interesting shit? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many interesting people out there with so many different interesting experiences. And yeah, that's really just what it comes down to for us is just having those chats meeting more people and enjoying it as we go so yeah if you have anyone that you're interested in i'm sure there's lots of people who would be interested in you know having this conversation and even for some of the guests we've had on recently they oftentimes express that this is the type of conversation they crave they really really enjoy having it but sometimes you know it's hard to find people to have it with because people get very uncomfortable with this conversation because it leaves nothing to hold on to or or reasonably hold on to i guess but uh yeah so i'm i'm very excited for some of the guests we have coming up and some of the ones that are uh in the works right now it'll it'll be a lot of fun and yeah see where it see where it goes but yeah, I've no doubt that some of those ones we've been thinking about will will happen sooner sooner rather than later. Still, still holding out for Jim Carrey. I'm just saying, Jim, not Jim. However, you'd like to be referred to. Um, this is your conversation. This is what you're all about. We're all about the same thing because it's the same conversation. It's always worthwhile to have, and it's a lot of fun. So we hope you can come on the show and just have a couple of laughs with us. It's definitely not about accomplishing anything because I, I think that's the accomplishment, right? It's just being here 
to the best of our ability and that causes a ripple in itself. So as always, just relax, pay attention, be yourself, but uh, come and do that on the show. Yeah, isn't it funny that getting to a place where you recognize that there's nothing to accomplish is is the accomplishment in a in a way. And I, I posted a video yesterday. I filmed it two days ago, actually, just about how the only thing you ever have to become is someone who recognizes that there's nothing to become and there's nowhere to get. And through that, and you know, as we've said so many times, like that is not a very interesting, exciting recognition for the ego because it always wants to become, that's how it survives is, is becoming something, building that idea, accomplishing more things, being seen in a, in a higher, better way. And, and so anytime you get caught in that mentality and don't recognize that you're already whole, you're already complete, you're already there, you're already the thing that you've always wanted to become, you're reinforcing that idea that illusion of division that keeps you suffering and keeps you caught up in that loop on the hamster wheel, chasing the carrot, running from the stick. So it's like this, it is the mentality that gets you out of that. There's no way to catch enough carrots to get yourself out of that. Like it's by design keeps you within that mentality. And it's so fascinating just how counterintuitive all of it is, but it's not very satisfying at all because it's the antithesis of the egoic mentality of achieving and accomplishing and becoming something. But, you know, as long as you're caught in that, you're always going to be becoming and never actually arrive and arriving. Once you arrive, it's, it's the fun part, but then it's like, then you get caught up in trying to become again. And then so it goes, but it's, uh, it's fun once you get, start to get glimpses of it because you recognize, you know, some of the deeper things that I don't know, this is all about, as opposed to thinking that it's just caught up in the, in the little, little minute things that you've always, you know, thought that you had to become or get to in order to become something more than, more than you are right now, which at the end of the day, isn't even possible. <laughs> and that's Christmas. That's what Christmas is meant to be about, is that feeling of being free, of being connected, of being empathetic, right? And it's so funny because the ego is where Christmas goes to die, boiled in its own pudding with a steak of holly through its heart, the whole thing, for sure, because that's the whole story of Scrooge, right? Is the recognition of the ego, the recognition that control does nothing except put you in a tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter box. And the entire time, Scrooge is trying to get to this sense of, of wealth, of value, and he's pushing everything away that gave his life any meaning. And that's the whole point. It is just, that's what Christmas is about, or at least that's what the idea of Christmas is about. And I'm not talking about Christmas like little white baby Jesus Christmas. I'm not talking about Christmas in terms of religion or Santa or any of that. I mean, Santa, maybe, maybe in terms of just that, that generosity. But even the idea of gifts at Christmas kind of, kind of throws it out the window. I mean, not to say you shouldn't give gifts at Christmas. By all means, give gifts at Christmas. That, that's a, definitely not what I'm saying. But don't feel compelled to give, to give gifts at Christmas. It doesn't make you a bad person just because you don't get someone a gift. It doesn't mean you don't love that person just because you're not able to get them a gift or that you just don't get them a gift. That's okay too. It's not, you don't have to make an excuse for it. Not everybody needs a gift. 
I mean, the fact is, is that if you give all of your attention, all of your love and all of your empathy to, to somebody when you're talking to them to the best of your ability, that's the best gift that you can give is to listen, to hear them, right? And just, just do that. But likewise, sometimes the best gift that you can give somebody is to stay away from them if you know that you're going to trigger them. You know, just give them a little holiday break from the light that you are shining. Sometimes that's okay too. So there is no shoulds. And I really want you to understand that as you go into the holiday season, there's nothing you have to live up to. There's nothing that you have to do in order to be truly celebrating the season because it's, it's completely arbitrary. Jesus wasn't born on the 25th. Santa doesn't give a shit about the day. At the end of the day, it's just arbitrary. It's just that we decided here on this day, we're going to try and be less egotistical. And that's really all Christmas is about, thinking about yourself a little less, right? So it's really what we're celebrating here on Dualistic Unity all the time. I mean, we might as well call ourselves the Christmas podcast at this point. <laughs> nice little rebrand there for the, for the holiday season. I'll take it. But yeah, it's it's funny thinking about Christmas and there's so many things in my life that I just growing up never really questioned, never really thought that deeply about that now it's like everything I'm always questioning. I'm like, yeah, Christmas, that's an interesting one. When was, wait, when was Jesus born? Was he not born on the 25th? No. No, because uh, the star of Bethlehem isn't over that part of the world in the winter season. So it would have been like, I think, June or, or May or something like that. It wouldn't have been anywhere close to December 25th. But so there's a bit of, of pagan history there, right? Like, so the earth has a wobble and, and, and the procession of the equinoxes. Okay? So you have summer solstice and winter solstice. Summer solstice is, is the brightest day of the year, it's when we get the most sunlight, right? Based on the rotation of the earth and all that other fun stuff. The winter solstice is the darkest day of the year. It's where we get the least sunlight. And in between, you get one additional day of sunlight every day or one less minute of sunlight every day. So at like um, summer solstice, every day after that is one minute more of darkness every day until winter solstice. And that's the rotation of our equinoxes until winter. Winter solstice, December 21st, this neat thing happens where basically because of the wobble of the earth, normally when the sun goes down, when it sets, it'll pop back up for just a second, like for a little bit, just because of the wobble, you'll see the sun pop kind of back up after it sets, except after the winter equinox. So for three days after the winter equinox, the sun does not rise again. Does that sound oddly Christian? And then it rises on the third day, which is December 25th, right? And so there's kind of a pagan thing that was intertwined with the Jesus story, which is often the case, right? Often the case. The same with Easter, you know, that has something to do again with the, the spring equinox and, and whatnot. Like Christianity throughout the, the centuries kind of adopted all of these other pagan religions and brought it into the fold in order to, to convert people. Because it really is marketing, right? Like that's that's what it is. I mean, my favorite, I think, so far has been that uh, Catholicism has been against priests being married forever, <laughs> forever. And they started realizing that not only are, are priests doing a lot more 
bad touching as it were but some priests are, are straight up leaving the fold they're not digging it like it's not aligning with their with what they're learning about their lives and themselves and hopefully you know the true essence of god and so on and so forth and so all of a sudden the church is like okay uh yeah priests priests can get married <laughs> and it's like that's okay now that's okay now right it's the same with the idea of kosher right any cloven hoofed animal it, it isn't kosher and I think because of a lack of meat or something along those lines in Israel, they decide to change that to not include camel or something like that. It's like, hold on, what's happening there, right? It's the same in the Bible, like eating shellfish is a hell-worthy trespass, but not anymore. Like there's so many things like uh, usury. It's another perfect example. Usury is a sin, right? In, in like almost every holy book, usury is a sin. The idea of making money off of money alone. Yet our entire banking industry is usury. Yeah, it's funny. Funny how we switch things up as we go. Oh, that's not. That's not so important anymore. But uh, with the priests, is that a wait? Is that a thing now in the Catholic Church that priests can get married? Some. When did that? When did that happen? Like a decade ago. Oh shit! That's uh. Was that when all the uh, all the shit was coming out? Was that? around then yeah, yeah pretty much i think it was after the last the last pope left he was a dark scary looking motherfucker yeah yeah it was like a palpatine looking looking ass <laughs> <laughs> for sure except again like can't make that shit up right like, it's just interesting and of course the fact that he was at one point uh actually a member of the hitler youth brigade really yeah yeah he grew up in Nazi Germany. And so he, you can find a picture of the last Pope dressed in like, we're not saying he was a Nazi. He was more like the akin to like the Boy Scouts or something like that, but it was still the Hitler Youth Brigade. Wow. Damn. That's, that's an interesting one. But uh, going back to the, uh, the winter solstice, cause I've seen, I saw a video on TikTok once that talked about how like the Jesus story could just be the son of God being like the sun, like, fireball in the sky type thing because of that whole thing and and there's so much symbolism that matches up and obviously you know you can make something sound that's kind of how conspiracy theories come out is like yeah there's a lot of overlap but it doesn't always mean it's a thing but a lot of times you know maybe it does but uh there, there was a lot of evidence in there that could have been the case and it was kind of talking about how jesus might not have been the guy we think and it could have just been you know, history based on the sun. And then there were so many other examples in so many other parts of history, like going back tens of thousands of years of different civilizations that had very much the same type of story, like 20 or 30 times over. There were that many types of religions that that sort of followed the same, pretty much the same exact story. Very close, or at least very similar symbolism, right? It's like the, the amount of uh, cultures that have uh, a great flood narrative that there was a great flood you're like that's really interesting that's, that's really interesting right like not just over in, in asia and the middle east and whatnot but even in north america a native friend was telling me about basically they have this giant stone anchor right it's just a, it's just a stone but they basically have this, have this legend about how they all tied their boats to it when the great flood happened and that's how they survived the great flood was they had these giant boats that they tied to this giant stone anchor and so that that legend's there but with jesus i think it's so interesting because i think that yeshua because his name 
was Yeshua, right? <laughs> was an interesting person that was saying very much what we're saying now and that over time people didn't understand it. And so they started to deify and make up stories about him or at least to put him up here. And then along came Christianity or rather those who created Christianity as a tool for Rome at the end of the day, um, they just took it to the next level and, and went, okay, well, then it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the only son of God. And I think that just got twisted into whatever they needed it to be over time. Like when you start running across pagans who, who are, you know, worshiping nature and the sun, like uh, the Druids and, and things like that, you start going, okay, how can we use their story and say they're just mistaken that it was really about Jesus the whole time? And that's where I think, you know, the, the only son and, you know, all that other stuff kind of started tying in. But you have like 2000 years of marketing, right? Like, you, like the whole, the game telephone, it's a perfect example, right? But imagine telephone over 2000 years, which with a bunch of people who are trying to benefit themselves by distorting the message. Yeah, right. It's so funny. And like, I, I get it now why people because in my head. I'm like, how the fuck do people still believe that? But it's like, it doesn't even matter. It could be some super absurd story, which when you look at it, a lot of the stories are super fucking ridiculous and absurd, but it makes them comfortable. It makes people comfortable to just be able to think, oh, yeah, that's how it is. Stop questioning. But as they settle on that, it's so fascinating. Like as they settle on those stories, they're just like, oh, yeah, that's how it is. And then someone comes around and questions it and they're, they get all uptight and they're like, no, no, disrespect, disrespect. You can't do that. You can't question it. It's like that right there is a consequence to that. And it's like whether it's you know, we talked about so many different things, questioning identity, be it pronouns, political identity, religion. We'll get into nationalism at some point, but no matter what, it always gets the same response of like, don't question this, be respectful. And it's like, everyone just wants the the world to cater to their desires because it makes them comfortable. Like it's such a, it's such an egotistical and selfish and fascinating way to live, to expect just the entire world to live based on what, how you want it to be. And if someone comes around and questions it, it's not that your belief is ridiculous and absurd. It's that they're being disrespectful and they should stop because, you know, what's wrong with it? You know, people have a lot of benefit from religion. People feel better when they use pronouns like it's, but it's still leaning on this super shaky or standing on the super shaky stool, if someone's able to come around or make a video and it it forces you to question everything and make you feel super uncomfortable, like maybe you should question it a little bit more. Maybe you should let go of it a little bit more. Like that idea that people expect the world to cater to how they want it to be is just kind of mind-blowing, but at the same time, makes sense and it's it's like you know and just settling on like oh this is my truth you know like you have your truth you have your beliefs it's just my beliefs why do you have to question it like, <laughs> i love that because it's like i don't though and and that whole thing with the truth too it's like nothing in itself is the truth it's all the truth they're all 
fragments of it, but nothing is it. So if you hold on to a fragment thinking it's it, you're going to be shaken. You're going to get uncomfortable. And like uh, just leaning on that shit to make yourself feel comfortable is just it just kind of blows my mind. But I'm starting to, you know, understand why. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. You grow up surrounded by people and they're all telling you that they know the right thing to do and the right way to live and the right way to be and the right way to look at themselves. And then you just learn to rely on that. And especially when you go through a system of schooling, that's always telling you that you have to be right, that you always have to fall in line with everyone else, that you have to match everyone else. And you're going to be tested accordingly. Like after a certain point, you just kind of give up trying to figure out things on your own because it's not appreciated. It's not welcomed by any means and so religion is unfortunately largely one of those things like we do it because we've always done it right like most people who continue to to abide by religion were raised in it or traumatized by the system so much that they're desperately looking for something to help them feel better so unfortunately it continues to look like religion is wanted rather than just habitual and addictive right and the same is true for the ego all forms of the ego like we continue to use it we continue to use it we continue to use it at no point do we question whether or not it's the truth and so yeah it's 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 really interesting and and not meant to be disheartening i really want to make this point because a few people communicated this after we we released that video on instagram talking about uh pronouns not being based in reality any pronouns. I just want to make that clear. Again, I mean, all and any pronouns, they're not based in reality. They're just concepts of who you are. I mean, biology aside, any concept of you is not reality. That's it. But in saying that a lot of people lost their shit. A lot of people got very upset, like, oh, you're devaluing us, you're taking away, our... which is kind of funny, because that's exactly what we're saying is that you're basing your value on a concept that immediately upon being questioned, you feel like it's been taken away. That's the danger. And what's funny is that people got really upset for that reason. You're, you're, you're devaluing me, you're devaluing my opinion, you're devaluing my suffering. Nope, we weren't. But we got messages from people saying, this is really disheartening because these are all people that follow you. These are all people who have been listening to the rest of your content about the idea that thinking you're worthless doesn't make you, doesn't make you worthless. You know, Thinking that you're alone doesn't make it a negative thing. It's not about being something that you should be. Like It's always been the same message, always. But it's just that this talked about a specific identity that people were attached to and so they were saying like it's really disheartening to see all these people who i would have assumed kind of got it if they've been following you this long suddenly lose their shit like this don't let that dishearten you that's a positive thing that's a positive thing like it could have been way more for one just wanted to say that like it could have been a lot more people who got upset we were expecting people to get upset but the other thing is is that there have been numerous times in your life where you've been upset and you grew from it. And this was a point I made to somebody on one of our Patreon calls because he was concerned about this. And he was saying like, what about the repercussions? What about the fallout? I have faith in people. Like I really do. I have faith in the fact that what we're saying might be a little jarring from time to time. 
you're going to learn from it. You're going to grow from it. We're going to learn from your feedback. We're going to grow from your feedback. The, the dialogue itself is what's important, but that, that dialogue can't happen unless people rub up against things that, that trigger them so they can be aware that those triggers are there. So don't let that be disheartening. If anything, be excited that the job of rolling up our sleeves and getting to work on, on really coming to terms with who and what we are, not the concept, um, is underway. And that's part of it. We're getting our hands dirty. This is what it means. Yeah, and, and these types of situations too, I feel like people can get very, because people get caught up in what makes them comfortable, they can kind of get complacent with things. And you've talked about many times how your turnover rate on TikTok especially is just constant because you'll allow someone to you know feel comfortable they're like oh that makes me feel good and then immediately it's like you pull the rug out from under them and like you know not there here's something else and so that thing you were holding on to you can't rely on that and it's the reliance on certain things that takes away that faith in ourselves that allows us to stand on the ground instead of on shaky wobbly stools that can you get kicked out from under us if we start to wobble or if someone else comes and kicks it down. And so these types of situations where, you know, we do rock a lot of boats, it's like, this is where the impacts are actually made as great as it is to have, you know, a video that gets like a 95% approval rate. Like the, the real impact is made in one that gets a 50%. It's split. It's like, yeah, I, I resonate with that one a lot. Or it's like, gets people super angry. And it's like, you have a split, you know, you're probably doing something right. If it's coming from, you know, a decent intention and a recognition of unity and a recognition that, you know, our identities that we hold on to are never going to mean anything about our value and our worth. And that's all we're ever saying. So these types of situations are significantly more impactful than the ones that make everyone feel comfortable because it's the questioning within yourself that allows for growth. It's the, the discomfort that allows for growth. Like that's where growth is based off of. So yeah, these types of videos are not going to stop. It's not going to be, you know, every video we post isn't necessarily going to rock the shit out of people's boats, but there's going to be a good amount. And as we continue on this, this route, like we don't want people to believe in dualist unity. We don't want people to believe anything that we say, we're just having a conversation that allows for you within yourself to question things for yourself. There is nothing we've ever said that we want you to believe in. We don't want you to believe us. We don't want to believe you to believe that we're correct. Like we say that over and over and over and over. Like, don't believe anything we're saying. Continue to question everything that you hold on to, that you believe to be the truth. The idea of dualistic unity and what you think it is is not what it is. So when you get caught up in that, question that and keep going with your life, recognizing that no idea or concept or idea of yourself or, or what you think things are, are ever going to be the truth. So just keep questioning. And eventually, you know, you'll see things more and more clearly, the more and more you question, the more and more you recognize that that thing you thought was the truth, isn't the truth. It never is. No idea ever is, including the one about yourself. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like, all we want from you is for you to be free 
because it's that additional fluidity that's going to have any major impact on the world. But it's so interesting because we've gotten to the point where because we're so egotistical, the entire idea of disagreement or argumentation is unpleasant and uncomfortable to us. And so we avoid it when in fact it's the gateway to insight and connection and empathy. But it's where that argumentation is coming from, right? Am I trying to prove myself or am I actually trying to understand something? Right? Am I trying to be right or am I trying to get to a point where there is some degree of understanding as a whole? And I think that that's the whole point. And so this discussion, more than anything, I think, is focusing on the fact that there's another type of dialogue we can be having. That's just not about being right or wrong, but actually growing together, about recognizing that those are concepts, that there's more nuance and gray area behind that than just right or wrong, which is, of course, dictated by how happy or unhappy I am with that specific thing based on how I see myself. And that is the problem with the idea of right and wrong, is it always comes back to me and my preferences, right? Like, give you a perfect example. There have been many cultures and still are that include bugs as part of their meal, right? North Americans don't, on average, for the most part, you can get some chocolate covered grasshoppers and whatnot, but for the most part, you won't see, you know, like giant beetles or anything on the dinner table. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it, regardless of your current reaction to what I'm saying, depending on where you live, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It's just unfamiliar and not something that you grew up with. But the ego would say, Oh, that's wrong. Like, oh, what's right? But that's all based on familiarity. That's all based on you validating your way of life as being preferential because you're comfortable with it. Right? And that's kind of the danger. But we don't recognize that happening. Often we just go, Ugh, instead of giving it the same credence and credibility that we would want if we were on that side. We forget that. It's still us on the other side. We've just adapted in a different way than this current version of us. Yeah, that that I always find funny how with any sort of situation or kind of call it like surface level situation where it's like we have all of these labels and, and names for something and whatnot placed on top of the reality of what it is that we've gotten so lost in the ideas in the names in the labels that we've taken it to be the truth and we can't see the deeper reality of it and an example is you know the dress video ray's posted one before and i posted one more recently like people actually believe that dresses are objectively a woman's thing and it's it's so interesting because at its core it's like a piece of fabric that is cut in a certain way and we we think it's we we think it's a dress first of all that's just a word that's just a word we've applied to it for a piece of piece of clothing that's cut in a certain way that goes to a certain length we think it's objectively for women just because women more often than not wear it like all of those things are it's, at its core it's just a piece of fabric but we actually believe that the truth of what it is, is a dress made for women, a woman's dress. And it's all concept. It's all label. Like that's how far we've gone from the recognition of it's just a bunch of string woven together in a certain color 
that goes over your body. Even the idea of clothes, like this shirt that I'm wearing is cut in a certain way so that it fits through my arms. But the reality is it's just a big piece of fabric that happens to be cut in a certain way. Like it's just fabric. And we've we've taken it so far and it's for for anything. Like even, you know, a plant that we eat, you know, like it, we think that it is what it is, like that's food, but it's just what it is. Like we've gotten so lost in the labels and the concepts that we actually believe that they're the truth of what they are. And that's the whole, like, that's the core of our distortion is thinking that we've got like all of those labels we place on top of it is the truth of what it is, as opposed to just a label, just an idea, just a concept that allows for us to communicate about it and, you know, categorize things in certain ways, but it's never the truth. Like it's never been the truth. I think my favorite comment on that video of yours with the dress was all I see is a Roman soldier. And I thought that was awesome because that's exactly the style of clothing that they wore, except it would have been made out of like leather. Right. But it, it's the same cut, like the, the exact same shape right down to like the uncomfortable length. <laughs> right. Like that, that's exactly how they dressed. That was just part of what they were. And there was nothing more manly than that at the time. If you think about it, that's the funniest thing. I just, I laughed so very hard at that. But if you think about how all of our advances, as a species are just steps where we questioned what we thought we knew. It's always the case, isn't it? Right? Like, I don't think this is flat. I'm going to go in a boat that way. Right? And all of a sudden we're like, oh, it's not flat. But everybody else is like, oh, it's flat. Don't be an idiot. You know, settled with what you know. Like there are so many examples of that in general, even looking at like, Newtonian science versus quantum physics. We didn't question Newtonian science for a while. We're like, yeah, there it is. Now, you know, people started questioning it. Now there's another perspective. Now there's other perspectives. Now they're looking at other and other and other perspectives, you know, like the, um, the electric universe or the holographic universe or any of these other theories. It's like, wow, none of which would have existed had people not been willing to go. What if it's not that? And so I think it's just so interesting that we get hit over the head with this insight over and over and over again, that there's value in saying, what if it's not that? And yet we don't do it. It's like, that's not actually something that we're encouraged to do. If you go to school, you're very much graded on how well you don't do that, right? You don't get encouraged to say, but hold on, what if what you're saying isn't the truth, teacher? I'd like you to stay after class or detention. You're questioning me in class. You're questioning my authority, as it were, to quote Cartman. Anyway, the, the point is, is that it's not something that as a species we see as a skill. Because as a species, we've created a system that actually relies on us not questioning. Which is super interesting because once we start, once the ball is rolling on this recognition that questioning and concepts aren't reality, but questioning is actually how intelligence emerges in the world. Once that starts rolling, everything starts getting questioned because it's fun. It's fun to do. People don't understand that when they're afraid, 
because questioning equals fear, but that's only because you don't have any faith in yourself and you don't have any faith in yourself because you think you're an idea and you can't ever have faith in an idea because it can be questioned, because it can be threatened, because it can be contradicted, right? And so you'll never have faith in yourself as long as you're thinking about yourself. And until you're not thinking about yourself, you can't recognize why you should have faith in yourself. So it's kind of a catch-22. But once you're there, once you recognize that, just let go, you're, you're always you, you've always been you, regardless of what you thought about all that, everything becomes an adventure. Every question becomes a chance to grow. Everything becomes a journey rather than a fear. Because you're not threatened. Your value is not attached to it. So why not question it? Why not see what's over that next hill? Yeah, it's like we think if we're not thinking about ourselves, we're just going to disappear or something or implode. It's so funny because, mm, but w- we spend our entire life thinking about ourselves. Like once we hit age 10, 10 to 15, somewhere in there, it's like it's almost nonstop thinking about ourselves, which is kind of fascinating. Like how much energy gets spent on thinking about that. But going back to the questioning and that becoming, a sort of fabric of our reality. It's so funny looking back and people, (laughs) I love when people make fun of like that way back when people thought, you know, earth is flat and they're like, oh, that's so ridiculous. And then people actually had pushback towards it. And meanwhile, it's like they fucking believe in sky daddy. And I'm like, you're doing the same thing. You're just not questioning and settling on an answer and a made up belief. And they're like, well, how do you know it isn't? It's like, that's what the fucking people who thought the earth was flat were saying. That's what the fucking people who thought the whole universe revolved around the earth were saying. It's the same fucking shit over and over and over and over and over. And we still see it in so many facets of our reality right now, today. Like, we're still experiencing the same crazy ass shit. And people will be like, oh, that's so crazy. People thought the universe was revolving on the earth. You think an old white man with a beard sits up in the sky and judges you because he has certain preferences and thinks that, you know, gay people shouldn't get married. Like, you still think that. Like, oh my God. It's it's so fascinating how we're, we still see it so often today. And it's the same exact thing over and over. Like, like, still today and so it'll be interesting once this mentality because that's really all we're talking we're not talking about spirituality we're not talking about some like mumbo jumbo like spiritual type shit it's just a constant state of questioning like what we talk about is not within the spiritual religious type realm that most people probably think we should be in like with you know, meditation and stuff like, yeah, there's all tools to be able to let go more and more of the idea of yourself, but it's rooted in a constant state of questioning and recognition that any idea you hold on to isn't the truth. It never is, but we settle on them because they make us feel comfortable and they make us feel more secure in, a, in an inherently uncertain reality that's never been certain and it never will be certain. So, just keep doing that. But yeah, anytime you settle on it, if something makes you uncomfortable when someone questions it, look at that. Look at the discomfort itself. Be like, hmm, wonder why that's making me just uncomfortable instead of just being like, stop making me uncomfortable. It's like, have some fucking faith in yourself to not be so swayed 
by what someone says or a video that they make like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I just wanted to say quickly because this is live. Anybody who's in the comment section, anybody who's watching this right now, feel free to participate in terms of asking a question, bringing it, bringing up a subject. We're just uh, doing our Monday morning this conversation over coffee, more or less. And so you are a part of that. I hope you have a coffee or, or at least that you're comfortable. We're going to be here for another hour and 10 minutes. So this is open dialogue. This is why we love these episodes is because we can actually participate with all of you. It's the same reason that we enjoy the group discussions on Patreon. And I do want to take a moment to point out, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you've been enjoying everything that we're doing here, and you want to get more involved with this conversation, there's two things that you can do. The Discord is the first thing. The Dualistic Unity Community Discord has over 650 members. There's a host of different channels on different topics. There's an ongoing dialogue between the members about their own journeys, about the things that excite them, about the things that they're learning from, some things they find interesting, some things that trigger them and that they're working through. So if you're looking for a community to participate in, or even just introduce yourself, definitely do that. Um, on Patreon, I have to say Patreon is definitely the biggest value out of everything that we do in terms of dualistic unity uh, for $5 a month, you get access to us at least twice per week in terms of a group discussion where you're on the screen. If you want to be, you don't have to, you can keep your screen off. You can talk just audio, or you can participate in the chat. If you're uncomfortable with audio, I just want to say that we've had a number of, of Patreon supporters join who were quiet to begin with. And over time used our groups as an opportunity to push themselves past their anxiety, push themselves past their fears of expressing themselves because there is no safer environment. So you can work your way into the discussion at your own pace. You can work the way, your way into the discussion a little bit at a time, pushing your, your borders as you are comfortable, pushing it enough where you feel like, oh, that was a victory. I just joined the conversation for two seconds and I asked a, asked a question and they answered it, sweet. That's perfect. You just had a victory and that's going to carry on with the rest of your life. But it's just an opportunity for us to talk to you directly, to actually address the things that you're going through. And so if you would like a little bit more of that, if you would like a little bit more in terms of participation with us, engagement with us, engagement with the community, even, I definitely recommend you join us on Patreon. It's well worth the $5 per month. Absolutely. And considering how much time we put into it and how much we enjoy it I, I can't recommend it enough it's the closest i can get to all of us going out for coffee and and having this chat as i wish we could do but until we can actually see you face to face that's the best we can do and so i just wanted to take a moment to say we'd love to see you dualisticunity.com is where you can find our information or go to patreon.com dualisticunity to join us there it's definitely well worth it yeah, I think I think we easily have the best Patreon offering in all of Patreon, given all the live groups and everything else you get access to. There's so many things, discounts for workshops, ebooks, one on ones, potentially, depending on your tier. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend it. And it's really cool seeing people join who are a little bit unsure about joining because, you know, maybe they have some social anxiety. And then, you know, we see them on there. They have their video off mic off and then you know a couple weeks later they got their video on 
still mic off. And then a couple of weeks later, they got their video on there. They add a couple thoughts and, and comments to the conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, they're fucking like leading the conversation. So it's really cool to see because I know for myself, like I used to be super freaked out about joining a big group chat and like saying stuff like, oh, my God, if I was about to like unmute my mic, my heart would be pounding so fast and I probably just wouldn't do it. Um, So I totally understand people who are in that space. And this is just kind of the environment we want to we want to curate because, you know, once you take, you know, one little step beyond where you've always been things start to unravel. And then the next time, you know, a month later, you take one more step, you know, it goes from turning your video on to saying two things to, you know, giving a whole spiel about what you're going through or questions you have and, and really beginning to participate. And and that carries over into the rest of your life. Like it can really be a place for you to practice all the things that you're afraid of. And so, yeah, I absolutely love seeing that. And yeah, love love the Patreon calls especially, but the Discord server is, is a lot of fun too because there's constantly conversations happening there with you know 650 some odd people in there. It's it's a lot of fun. Absolutely, I think I'd like to take a moment to kind of talk about something that we do discuss uh, on Patreon sometimes, and we definitely discussed uh, after the retreat in terms of. Uh, dualistic unity's lofty ambitions because we've kind of talked about this a little bit and I, I I want to branch into this a bit because I think the only way it's ever going to work is with the involvement of our community I think that the only way this is ever going to become something other than just you know a podcast that's a registered business in the world of capitalism is through all of us recognizing that we want it to be more that this can be something more and that we have the ability to make that happen with just time and attention right and some clarity and so that all said i want to talk about my vision for this or as it has been for the last 20 years and your perspectives on this because it's really important this is a big under undertaking and i recognize that i really want people to understand like i recognize exactly how huge what I'm saying has the potential to be, and I get how much the brain's like, it'll never happen. The world will never let that happen. So on and so forth. I get that too. I really do. But just because my brain says it might not be possible, that doesn't make it true. And I just wanted to say that because it's the case that we keep making. At one point, I wouldn't have thought this conversation in this podcast was possible or that you listening to it with any degree of curiosity and enthusiasm and interest was possible. So just take that in. At one point, none of this seemed possible, and here we are. The retreat definitely drove that point home. There is so much that's possible if we're just willing to try. And so in terms of dualistic unity, I see a giant, giant entity that involves our whole community, wherein we are not just taking advantage of the capitalistic system in order to bring resources to that community, but we're actually using the community's skills and we're using the community's insights and everybody who's involved is able to create something that generates more resources for everyone else. So that way we can create kind of like an Amazon-ish type entity or something along those lines, but instead of 
the CEO or the executives getting $10 million golden parachutes instead of the workers getting the shaft every single day simply because they don't need to, to be paid a valuable amount because they, they know they have nowhere else to go, right? Like this mentality doesn't have to be the cornerstone of how we work. All of that excess income can easily be divided up amongst all the people who are involved. And I say income, but that's not what I mean at all. Because as much as, yeah, we want an income, sure. Why do we want an income? We want an income because life is fucking expensive. We have to buy our food. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay our rent. What if you didn't? What if those were part of your involvement with this entity that we are all a part of? What if that was actually part of the mandate. It's not like it's not legally possible to provide one's employees or members with housing. That's definitely something you can do in this system. It's just not something that we prioritize. What if we did? What if everyone had a cap in terms of how much the income they made as a, as a, as a residual bonus of what the entity is creating? I'm not saying you can't go out and earn extra money on your own. I'm not saying you can't build upon that. What I'm saying is that why not be a member of a community that makes sure you have the bare minimum at least and that you have all the opportunity to work with other people who want to help you grow because they're growing as well what if we could actually get out of the way to work together in a way that's organic that is actually based on enthusiasm and clarity and empathy and we can do it in a way that actually shows the rest of this goddamn system that it's possible normalizing altruism doesn't have to be as difficult as it sounds, but it has to be worthwhile to somebody and they have to be crazy enough to pull it off. And I think we are. I agree. Yeah, it really settled in for me recognizing just, I mean, more and more clearly recognizing myself as everyone, uh, the truth of what I am. And I think too, just recognizing like beyond a certain amount of money like there isn't additional enjoyment of life like when you really think about the things that you enjoy in life most of them don't cost very much money the things at the end of your life you look back on and think oh i wish i had spent more time doing that or that or that it's not the things you spent shitloads of money on it's the things mostly that were free or cost a lot less than the things you spent a shitload of money on and so the other side of that is recognizing that if you're able to create an entity like dualist unity is be able to become you know an amazon type entity without all the hierarchical bullshit that amazon does then you're able to bring in enough of revenue and, and profits and whatnot that you can actually shift the environment that we exist within and that will make your experience more enjoyable like instead of being so honed in and focused on your own experience and having that being, you know, the only thing that you try to improve, your experience is all encompassing of, you know, all of reality. It's easier to see, you know, maybe in your neighborhood or your town or your city or your state as opposed to all of reality. But to some degree, your environment has an impact on you. And wouldn't it make sense to do your best if you're able to pull in additional resources that you know wouldn't actually add any more to your enjoyment of this reality? If you can add, a, send that back into your environment to improve your environment, it's like there's a degree of selfishness there. The full circle 
selfishness, of being able to utilize resources that you know you don't need so that you improve the environment you exist within. doesn't have to do with, with you, like more for you type thing, but as you improve the lives of those around you, those, the lives of those people that you have you know, are in communication with, you have relationships with, the environment that you're in, you're able to improve all of the world, your, your experience improves. But we're so focused on the idea of ourselves. We're so caught up in it, thinking like, oh, I just have to keep getting more for me and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate because that's how my worth is derived. My worth is derived from the number that is in my bank account. It is, it is, that is a massive aspect of my value. Like, is it, is it really? Or is that just another illusion? Just another idea that you hold on to that actually keeps you caught up in that mentality where you never think you're enough. There's no number in that bank account that allows you to feel like you're enough. And wouldn't it make sense to do your best to improve the reality that we exist as and within and without whatever words you want to use, improve all of that. So that your experience improves. And that's more or less where we're coming at this from. Like, yeah, we're going to have an income and whatnot. But there's a, there's a point we get to where it's like, you know, we're covered. We're good. And then let's see how much we can improve our environment and our reality. And I'm excited to see you know, how that happens. And starting off with a big ass billboard right in the middle of Times Square. I think that's going to be one of our one of our first patreon projects once we have enough coming in but yeah i am you what is it i am you you are god we are one i am you i love it you're god we yeah are god. we're absolutely one, so. and that's just the start i mean that's the whole thing like i see i see people like mr beast and i see the fact that he just valued at over a billion dollars and it's all based on entertainment it's all based on people going in i want to win free money and, and who doesn't want to win free money right but it's still that mentality of entertainment rather than we're changing something. It's still that mentality of I'm getting money rather than the world is changing, right? And I think that that is a possibility in terms of us actually enthusiastically getting behind that, not donating to charity. Like that mentality of, oh, I've got to give it to the, give it to the poor isn't going to help anything. I mean, it, it, it's going to help something for sure. But what I'm saying is that it comes from a place that isn't being as empathetic as we want to think it is. Like you're just giving to charity because they're going to take care of it. Right. And often they don't. And I know I've worked for charities. I understand how much of their budget goes to administration. I understand how much of their budget goes to CEOs and executives. Same thing. It's the same structure, unfortunately. And it's still run by egotistical people. It's important to recognize that, that just because just because somebody is labeled a charity, that doesn't mean it's coming from a charitable mindset. And the most charitable thing that you can do is just give a shit in general, right? That's all. Just take a moment when somebody's upset to go, you're right. Doesn't take much. Really doesn't. And it's not necessarily about giving people money. But if you have an extra burger because you went to McDonald's and you got their two for one deal. You're walking down the street and somebody's panhandling. Give them your burger. You don't need a second burger necessarily. You still got the fries if you got the combo. I'm just saying, right? The point is, is it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, but it almost seems pointless. Like we're throwing our money into a hole 
until there is some organization behind it that's actually going to do something with it. And we can't depend on the government for that. We can't depend on the government for that. And we shouldn't be depending on the government for that. That's the reason that they don't do anything. They know that we won't do it without them, right? And so we have the ability to come together. We have the ability to do this on our own. And this is one of the things that's so funny. I spent so long complaining about globalization, about the fact that companies and corporations don't give a shit what country they are located in. They have no loyalty to you based on your country. Ah, oh, it's an American company. Please. At the end of the day, they don't care. They're going to go wherever the taxes are the least, and they're going to exist in numerous different countries at the same time with zero loyalty because they don't see the world that way. Right? So neither do we have to see the world that way. We can actually see the world as just the world, exist in as many countries, quote unquote, as possible, and just interact with people, never having to think about that stupid system because we're going to replace it with one that's just based on reality, where we can all be there for one another. And I, I foresee like different retreat centers to start. And then those retreat centers creating their own foods and branching out into local communities, creating community gardens and outreach programs to the point where eventually different communities can actually start like transporting back and forth to one another, like trading their own vegetables and their own goods that are grown or created by anybody who lives on these centers. And again, just pushing outward and outward and outward until there's so much coming in and so much coming out that it's just a cycle like anything else, as it should be, that just keeps going out and back in so everybody benefits rather than it just being accumulated to a few people. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I understand people are like, oh, you just want to redistribute wealth. No, you know, I, I don't want to do that because I know everybody who's got wealth right now is going to resist that just tooth and nail. They're not going to say, yeah, take my money, give it to the rest of the poor people. I know they're not. I know they're not. So I don't expect them to, but I can say, I don't need more money than a certain amount and give the rest and put it into something that's going to help. And so can you, and so can anybody else who's listening to this. And if there's enough of us doing that, we'll redistribute the wealth as it's coming in. And then we will change the system. We don't need them to change. We don't need them to understand. There's enough of us. We just need to decide it's worth it and pool our collective attention. That's it. Just pool our collective attention. And so that all said, if you're like me and Andrew, you see a vision of what's possible. You may not see all the moving parts or how it's all going to work together, but you have a skill set. You have understanding of something that's going to help this happen. And you're willing to talk to us about what you see and what you would suggest. Write to us. Contact us through the website. Join us on Discord. Add your intellect, your intelligence, your passion, your enthusiasm, your heart, add all of it to what we're building because that's what dualistic unity is. It's not a company. It's not a podcast. It's a discussion that with enough of us behind it can change the collective mentality that we're all suffering through. I truly believe that. I don't even believe that. I just see it as possible. The question is, are we willing to do the work? Yeah, and it really does just come down to the conversation because that's what shifts the mentality is being able to see people having this conversation and being an example of what's possible. Because, you know, talking about wealth redistribution, 
forcing people to do it like never works. It's the same. I can't even force someone to fucking meditate who's suffering. Like you really think I'm going to get them to give up any of their money? Like, no, you can't. At the end of the day, you can't force anyone to do anything. Most of the time when you try, it is very counteractive and does exactly the opposite. And yet, you know, the system that we're currently in tries to force because that's what it knows how to do. That's the only way it knows. And it it's worked in the past, sort of, not really. It's kind of just like fucked itself up even more, but it, it keeps trying to do it. And it's just going to keep patching on band-aids, keep trying to force, keep patching on band-aids, keep trying to force. So with this, it's it's shifting the mentality. And if we're having this conversation and people start listening, people start recognizing the positives they start to see in their life through letting go more and more of the idea. And they actually begin to see all of these things that they've accumulated as a weight in a sense, and then start to recognize that all the things and stuff that they think adds more and more to themselves doesn't actually, it actually weighs them down. It actually hinders their ability to be free. They're all like shackles and, you know, balls and chains, like everything you acquire. And so as that begins to shift and it's like, hmm, you know, and sort of like the minimalistic mentality um, to a degree, in a sense, recognizing the freedom that comes with that from not attaching to so many things. And eventually, you know, things start to unravel and you recognize, oh, all these things that I've attached my value to physically aren't really attached to me and they're actually weighing me down. And then eventually you get to a point where it's like, oh, all of these things mentally that I'm holding on to are also weighing me down, but it's got to start somewhere. And it's got to start with people ex expressing it and being examples of it. And who better to start than you and us having this conversation. And eventually people will start to recognize like, oh, wow, that whole idea of chasing more doesn't actually end. Like there is no end to that. It just keeps fucking going there. It's like an infinite path into more and more suffering. But if you can take a second, recognize like, oh, that is the case. Maybe if I stop holding on to so many things. Hmm. Yeah, because that makes sense. Because, you know, freedom is not holding on to anything. It's not being shackled by anything. It's not being within prison walls created by all the shit, by the idea of yourself and all the shit that comes with that and all the things that you hold on to. So eventually people start letting go more and more of those things. They're like, maybe I don't need all this stuff. And then they actually have more time to do things in their life because they're not just working all the time to try and accumulate more. They start to think a little bit and they're like, hmm, Wonder, and they actually have time to start to question things. And then they realize, wow, there's a lot of shit that doesn't make any fucking sense right now. Hmm. And it all is sort of intertwined, but it all starts with the conversation and not forcing anyone to do anything. Like I used to very much get caught up in that mentality of like, just, just even just trying to get someone to try something, just fucking try it for like 10 minutes or, you know, shift some, just try not thinking about yourself so much for a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with suggesting those things. But most of the time you suggest something, people are like, so you think there's something wrong with me? And they're like, oh, well, if, if something's wrong with me, and then they just go down that path and it's like, no, nothing's wrong with you. But, you know, this might help you not suffer so much because you're clearly suffering a lot, including responding to my advice in uh, thinking about yourself again. So there's so many aspects of this, but I think, uh, 
yeah, starting with the conversation is very key and, and not forcing anyone to do anything, just being an example of it in yourself. Yeah. And I just want to say that again, we don't know everything. There's very few things that we know for sure. And so that's why this has to be a collective effort. That's why this has to be a result of us pooling our, our collective intelligence. And I mean intelligence. I don't mean just egotistically going, we're going to make this happen, but actually just being in dialogue and watching insights pop up that inform how this grows and how this works. I think that's really the only important part because right now we're not looking at a corporate structure. We're not looking at any of that shit at all. I mean, that's all meant to facilitate this happening, but it's the happening that's important. And the happening is what's happening right now. The happening is this, this conversation. That's all it is. It's not about proving anything or getting anywhere or changing anything, but just watching this grow. Because you can already see it growing in your life. You can see it growing in your awareness and you can see the changes that are happening. The world is no different than you individually changing. There's just more of you to change. That doesn't mean it can't happen. It's going to happen. It's already happening. It's just how important is this to you? That's all. That's all it is. How, how important is your freedom? How, is import, how important is your life to you? And then the recognition that it's everybody's life. It's all of our lives. We're in this together. So that was a fun talk. We got to kind of explore that a little bit. Um, we're going to move on here because we have a question. And I did say ask questions and I didn't get a chance to get to it. So I appreciate your patience. Um, I have had many glimpses of freedom from concepts and identification with the self. And then I return back to a centered experience. It's been such a struggle to see life with the absence of all mental and emotional conflict and then see it obscured again. Any tips on how I can solidify the realization? Okay, so that's a really good question. It, it really is because there are tools, there are insights, there are things that you're going to develop, going to develop over time that are going to help you get back to center. And then you're going to lose again because you're supposed to because there is no center. The idea of a center is conceptual entirely. You are flow state, you are flow, which means that as much as you're processing, you're also processing part of what I'm processing and what everybody else is processing because we're all process. So don't beat yourself up for losing center because that's just gonna make you lose center quicker. Be my thought. Now I'm gonna pass it over to Andrew for the rest of his thought. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that those glimpses of clarity and then getting caught back up in the struggle inform each other. Like if you just had clarity all the time, there would be no depth to your experience. There would be nothing to pick at with some, like imagine if you were just never struggled at all and you were always, let's take it to an extreme because this sometimes helps solidify this. If you just were born into clarity and always had clarity, like that, that center that you're, you want all the time, you're just always there. And then, you know, someone comes to you and asks for your advice or is struggling with something. You have no ability to connect with that person. It's like you would be so disconnected from the rest of humanity in the sense of experience. And so you would never have anything to tap into or any way to relate to anyone. Like when I do a one-on-one -on -one coaching call, for example, and Ray's talked about this as well, someone brings up a situation, I immediately have something in my life, not the exact same experience, but something that is close enough 
that I can at least resonate with the experience and the feelings that they felt going through that experience. If I was just constantly in a state of clarity, I would have no struggles, difficult situations, suffering to tap into to connect with anyone. And so being objectively clear at all times, being like pure awareness or whatever, is not only arguably impossible, especially in this society, because we have to utilize our ego and it's such a powerful tool and our mind is such a powerful tool that it's very difficult to both utilize it and stay crystal clear all the time. Not only that, but it's also wouldn't wouldn't be nearly the experience that you have without all of that suffering and struggle and going in and out of clarity. So the confusion informs the clarity, the clarity informs the confusion when you're caught up in it trying to get to a state of clarity isn't clarity because that idea of clarity that you have, is just that it's an idea. Clarity is allowed to arise when you stop trying to get to it so much. And so it's not about getting to clarity. It's about letting go of the need to get to it. Recognize that the confusion is just as beneficial as the states of clarity. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, clarity comes and smacks you in the side of the face when you're not looking. So it's, it's the balance, but, um, yeah, don't, don't necessarily try and always be in clarity because it's just going to run further from you and faster from you. The more you try and try and get to it. Yeah. Try to remember everything's always half-assed backwards. We've said that for sure. It's always paradoxical. You know, the person you respect is the person who doesn't give a shit. If you respect them, they're doing it for themselves, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you're generally more likable when you like yourself and you're not trying to people please, things like that. It's always half-assed backwards. So the same is with clarity. Clarity comes from the cessation of effort to get to clarity. It's allowing yourself to be clear, right? It's, it's the journey that confuses us. It's that tunnel vision that cuts us off from seeing everything else, right? And so just remember that you're thinking about yourself and it's creating a box, right? You don't have to think about yourself and clarity will come along. Awareness is different than analyzing, right? Being aware of yourself is different than being critical of yourself. There is a difference. Don't judge your progress because in doing so, you're setting yourself farther back. Just very important to remember that. I wanted to take a quick moment here and just say thank you to somebody in the chat. They said, I just subscribed to Patreon. I'm looking forward to the journey. We are looking forward to seeing you there because those conversations are so much fun. They're so much fun. And we are actually going to be having one at the top of the hour at the end of this episode. Uh, there is a, a tier one group. So we'll see you there. Uh, it's going to be another hour and a half to two hours where we get to shoot the breeze very much like this, but more in person. It definitely, it definitely is more personable. As much as I enjoy the comments here, it's nice to see people on the screen. It's nice to see the emotion on their face as they're processing something. It's nice to see the relief as they come to an insight. It's nice to see all that. And so anybody who hasn't joined yet, I hope to see you there. And if you haven't, if you're still on the fence, there is a free public group that we do every Wednesday. You can join us 6 p.m. Eastern time. Just go to dualisticunity.com, click on free events. Uh, you do have to register for the free event because seating is limited, but registration is completely free. You can sit in on, on a group with us for an hour and any week that you want and see what it's like because it's it's an experience. It, it really is. It's, it's about as down to earth as we can make it. We're not teaching. We're not talking down to anybody. Very much like this. We're just 
having a conversation. Sometimes a whole half hour will go by where members are just kind of talking amongst themselves, answering their own questions, sharing their own journeys. And, and we're just there to help encourage it along. So we're glad to be a part of that. And if you can be as well, then we're happy to see you. So I, I just wanted to say, thank you for joining. I'm looking forward to seeing there. Um, another comment here was, uh, I love the beard growing out, Andrew. Don't cut it. Now, Ray, where's yours at? Um, as I was saying yesterday on our Patreon call, I'm not there as yet. Right now, I'm, I'm still enjoying the lack of, of itch. I've got a little scruff going, but I'm not going for the full beard. But when I do, when that happens, you're going to regret asking me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, that's that's going to be exciting because yeah, you're talking about your hesitation, which is which is understandable. The reasoning, uh, just given how how you may look to people on you know in passing. Um, but would you ever would you ever grow your hair back out at all in any way? Okay, keep no. it keep it shaved. No, yeah. and and the reason is like. There's just none up here, man. It's a totally different proposition than it used to be. It, there's just none up here. And and so, I don't know, it seems like more work than it's not. Like you get to this point where you're just like, that's quite the contrast between here and here. <laughs> right? And so I don't, I don't even want to think about it. And in all honesty, I'll tell you what, I used to cut my hair short when I was a teenager too, because I grew up coming out of a military family. I was just kind of mentality. I had, you know, short buzz cuts and all that. Um, I like the ease. I gotta say, like, I, I like the ease. It was fun having long hair and I had long hair. One day I'll share a picture on, on discord or something, um, of how long my hair was. It was down to my ass. It was really quite long. Um, and that was fun, but I know there's a lot of upkeep, you know, it's complicated. You keep sitting on your hair or you're like moving it over your shoulder. Or you got to tie it back and shit. And, and as fun as that was in my early twenties, um, now it's kind of nice to just take a shower, do one of those and walk out, right? Like knowing I'm all right, done. No conditioner, none of that. I really like simplicity. I really like simplicity. I mean, the only reason that I'm not naked is because it's cold. Yeah, fair enough. I, I totally, totally get that. I had, uh, I had long, the longest mine was, was like down to my shoulder about six years ago now. And yeah, it was interesting because I always thought my hair was super straight. It's like a little bit wavy, but it like curled a lot when it got longer. And I remember I can still remember sleeping and just feeling my hair on my ear was probably one of the main reasons that I that I cut it. Besides, of course, the girl that I was talking to wasn't crazy about it. And then that I was yeah, that my friends were not happy with me cutting it after that. But there were a number of reasons. It wasn't just the girl. Um, but yeah, there is definitely something to be said for, uh, for simplicity and, and ease. And I think, yeah, I ordered a bunch of our merch and I'm gonna probably, that's just going to become my wardrobe. Just get rid of like uh, these, these shirts are getting pretty ratty. Like this one, I oh, there's some holes up here. Yeah. But yeah, some of them have way worse holes than this. And so it's, it's probably time, but yeah, it's so funny just thinking about even just recently, like the last two days, I've been like what I am. I've been pulled back, like seeing seeing Andrew as just an expression of me. And it's been really trippy, like 
all the time. I've been seeing it, not all the time, but it comes in glimpses. And when I'm doing something focused, whatever, like today I'm doing some clips for another video. And it's like when I'm doing that, setting it up, like I'm not thinking about myself, but I'm also not thinking about being pulled back so much. Like it hits me in different in different ways. I, I was curious actually with that, but regardless, seeing myself as that, like there's so much less concern for Andrew's upkeep or how he looks or what he's wearing or or anything like that. But I'm curious between like not thinking about yourself, because even when I recognize like the pulled back type thing, sometimes it gets a little uneasy. I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of weird and like really trippy. But for you, like, is there that sensation often or is it just a lack of idea of self or like because it, it almost feels like a physical perspective shift in a way. Like, I feel like I'm behind me, sort of. Like, is that, do you experience that often? Or is that kind of a constant thing? So we actually talked about that, I think, in the first episode. We were talking about this shift that happens between, like, sitting up front in your eyeballs versus suddenly sitting back. Almost like you're in the passenger seat watching shit happen. Yeah, I know that feeling very well. And and it's 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 part of that that shift between I'm a puppet made of meat versus pure subjectivity, right? And, and so, yeah, it really, and this actually ties into the question that was a follow-up to the last one. Um, isn't there a point where you no longer experience self-conflict? I'll go a, a step further and say, there's going to be a point where you're going to miss self-conflict. And I mean that, don't rush the journey. So yes, there is a point where you will experience a lack of self-conflict right around the point where you stop experiencing a self in terms of it being conceptual. Okay? But that state isn't, it's difficult to maintain in that state and dabble in duality and to participate in terms of concepts and, and, and all of those other things, because in that state, all of it is just optional, right? And that's the whole point is, it's not about getting out of the ego, not about getting out of self-concept. It's about recognizing that there, it's optional. That's all it is, that, that there are infinite self-concepts that you can grab onto right now, infinite ones, so all of them, that you are worthless or valuable, that people like you or people don't like you, that you have a dazzling future or a shitty future like they're all there they're all here right now and you can grab onto any any one of them and it will change how you see the world it will change how you interact it will change how you speak it will change where you're speaking from but it's optional because it's not the truth and so the trick is being able to sit and I want to say in the middle of them, but that's not true either. It's be, being able to recognize it's all potential until it becomes an actuality through your attention. That's really it. So yes, there's a point where you'll stop feeling self-conflict and you will willfully go back into it with enthusiasm and no fear whatsoever because you recognize it's not really conflict just feels like that when you're resisting it, which is part of the conflict. So 
it's a bit of a journey. And, and I know that answer may not have been as satisfying as what you were looking for. Um, what you're asking is that, is there a cessation of suffering? In which case, no and yes, both and neither, as always. It's not that there's a cessation of hardship. There is a cessation of additional suffering that you will add to that hardship. You will actually find a state of mind where you can make any hardship into something fulfilling. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It's just that your opinion won't be in the way. I think that's the best way I can answer that. And I'm going to pass it over to Andrew. Yeah, so I, I'm curious with experiencing less self-conflict because I'm starting to get some glimpses of that. It's just there's not solid ideas that are like, oh, that, that has anything to do with me because it's not, it's not me. So do you like willfully going back into it with enthusiasm, as you said, is that a choice or is it just something that kind of naturally happens and you allow it to happen as opposed to being like remembering or reminding yourself or whatever that it isn't the truth or is it almost like a cho- an active choice is it an active choice where you're going back into it or does it sort of happen you remember but you just kind of let it keep going it depends i'm going to say it depends on whether or not you're still being triggered or not right so if you're if you're still if you're still having triggers about yourself your self-concept and stuff yeah you're going to get pulled into stuff and then after the fact you can go i did it again (laughs) right in which case even there you you don't beat yourself up for it see so the conflict isn't necessarily conflict despite the fact that it feels like conflict as you're going through it you're just kind of losing yourself and then going right that was valuable as opposed to why did i do that my god it means i'm not very aware and then all of a sudden you're going back down the shitter right so there's that but then there is the recognition that a good portion of yourself in terms of the outside world exists in conflict. That's all they know. That's how they've learned to interact. Like literally the basis of their communication is a dualistic language that immediately divides us every time we identify with the concept. That's tricky when you don't see beyond that. And so going out into the world, recognizing none of that's the truth really don't have any reason to speak. Like everything's fine, right? In general. But if somebody comes up to you and they want to engage with you, you have to be willing to at least enter their state of conflict to see what they're doing, to see where they're coming from, to even get involved in the dialogue, right? Sometimes, and and this is a good point, like in terms of the video that you released on Instagram, I willingly went into conflict with many many of those comments, not because I was conflicted, but because there was an argument that was happening. So there's a conflict there. And so you're still a part of it, right? Whether you're taking it seriously or not is up to you, but you're still willfully engaging in a conflict that you recognize as a part of somebody else's journey for the sake of them completing that part of the journey. You're not taking it personally, right? You could just go, I don't need to do this process and walk the fuck away. And that's just as valid. That's just as valid. I will argue less helpful sometimes. Sometimes, okay, just because pooled attention, again, there's insights there that, that there wouldn't be otherwise, right? And that's why I say a lot of, of what we're 
discovering a lot of how we're going to change as a culture, as individuals, as, as a group, as a collective individual, however you'd like to say that, we can't even fathom yet because we haven't figured out how to pool our collective intelligence to have that insight. And I think that's where we're at is, is getting to the point where we can open ourselves up to those larger insights that can only come about when we recognize ourselves and everyone else. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, it's almost just like going into it, recognizing that none of it, basically none of it has anything to do with you. And there isn't so much attachment to any of it that's happening. It's just, this is my current reality situation. I'm going into it right now, no differently than I used to just without an attachment to any of it meaning anything about me and not trying to prove anything or, or fix anything, just being there fairly in a clear mentality and going back and forth, but not necessarily, you know, again, it's not this fucking love and light, like everything's beautiful and hunky dory. Like that's still clinging to ideas that you think mean something about you. But it's a it's like a balance of being willing to go in. And it's almost like going in eyes wide open, recognizing that this is a situation where I could very easily get lost in myself and not letting it get lost almost. It's like a practice every single time. Like every they say, situation. yeah, they say if you're if you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your parents or something or with your family. It's like you'll you'll find very quickly that you know you're still dealing with some shit and so it's but being able to see everything as a practice in that way is is kind of cool you know just another perspective to have and go willing to go into any situation and be like you know this is one where typically in the past i would get very much lost in frustration anger judgment self-judgment, judgment of other people, et cetera, et cetera, and not allowing it to happen. Like that is the practice. It's, it's, you know, a lot easier to go up to the mountaintop. It's like, sure, you can recognize it there, but can you recognize it in the shit? Can you keep that recognition in the shit? Like how clearly do you see it? And that's where the practice, where the practice lies. I saw, I saw some, uh, some follow-up comments come in. I can uh, I can read this one. I mean, this is kind of, I don't want to miss it. I'm ready to let it go. Everything is empty and val of value and full of wanting and resistance. And then I guess this, I'll just read this part of it too, because this is kind of like same, same vein. Uh, the most important thing to me is realizing that I do not exist and that I'm you, God, everything. I've done tons of practice for the past two and a half years. Anything you can re recommend to let go and have this take place as my natural experience. You want to go yeah, first? Absolutely, sure. Um, let go of trying to let go. I, I mean, the idea that you have of where you're trying to get is unfortunately not where you're trying to get. I just want to say that. Like, the state you're trying to achieve is here right now, but you're trying to get to it, which is making it farther away from you. Because the experience that you've had of letting go is always in the present. 
it's always now. So as long as you're trying to get back to something, you're not being now. And the farther and the more you try to get back to it, it's like the farther the now gets. Because you're trying to achieve a concept of what it was you experienced, but what you experienced wasn't a concept, which is why it was so transformative. It was the cessation of the self. And so what you're asking is how do I get there? But it's the I you're taking with you that's stopping it from happening. There's nothing you need to do except recognize that you're not a self-concept. You're not your idea of yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. I know that advice sounds harsh or, or at least very cutthroat, but at the end of the day, that's the problem is we're so used to trying to get to a point of clarity. We're so used to trying to solve the problem of our suffering. We don't recognize that it's the, the person we're, that we're focused on that is the root of that suffering. Does that make sense? We spend all of our time thinking about how to be free and don't recognize that it's the cessation of the effort that is the recognition of freedom. That is not something your brain is going to get right away because you're always going to want to ask, how am I doing? Am I present? Am I free? And as soon as you do that, you're not. So there's no way for you to self-evaluate in freedom. You see the trick? You see the problem? Is that we keep wanting to return to the journey to see how we're doing, but that continues the journey. And that's the trick arriving i'm done thinking about myself now until i need to but not to solve something certainly not to get anywhere but because people have no other way to communicate with me <laughs> right but that's it and that is that's the biggest thing it's not about achieving enlightenment it's about surrendering yourself and, and that's just recognizing you don't have to be thinking about yourself in order to be you you can just be that's practice. So if you want to know a practice, I would say anything that draws your attention to the here and now, slacklining, you know, learn a martial art, things like that. Something that, that makes you get out of your head, stop judging your progress and just be in what you're doing. Learn an instrument. Doesn't matter, but there's no magic insight that's going to snap you out of it. It's a practice of burrowing into the moment and getting out of the illusion. We spent our whole lives kind of in the exterior illusion, in the superficiality, with no depth in terms of our experience of the present. And that is very much what you're wrestling with. You're still trying to find the concept that sets you free of concepts. It'll never happen. Never, never, ever, because it's not somewhere you can get. Like just that idea in itself that I want to get to freedom. I want to get to a place where I'm free. Fucks it right there cuts you off from the recognition that you are right now. And it's not about getting to a place. It isn't a place that is separate from you. It's always where you're at. And it's just the idea that it's somewhere else that keeps you from recognizing it. So it's not about getting to a place. It's not about feeling differently than you feel right now. It's not about being in a different situation than you are right now, about letting go of the desire to get to a different place, a different state of mind, a different mentality, a different location. It's letting go of that. It's like you're here now 
feeling what you're feeling, going through what you're going through. There's all these things outside of you. This place is, I want to get here. I want to feel this. I shouldn't be feeling what I'm feeling right now. I want to feel this. I shouldn't be where I'm at right now. I want to be there. And that mentality is what keeps you from being free. Freedom is the the dropping of all of those things, all those things, you know, sticking out from where you're at. Like, I want to be here. I want this person to love me. I want to be free here. I want to feel this way. It's like, as those drop, you're like, I am where I'm at. And right here, I'm free as you let go. Because all these, you know, the lines between all of these things is, is where suffering lies. That resistance to where you're at, wanting to be anywhere, wanting to feel different, be in a different place, you know, go going through a different experience, even the feeling that you're feeling right now. There's nothing wrong with that. Your idea that there is something wrong with it is what's keeping you from recognizing that you're there right now. So as those things drop and you are where you are, you're free. It may, it's not like, you know, immediate magic pill. Like there's still discomfort. There, there was a long process, as Ray said, to getting to the place that you're at, desiring for all of these things, caught up in the idea of yourself, thinking about yourself, how you, you know, relate to everything around you, everyone around you, every situation around you and that comparison and wanting to be in a different situation than where you're at keeps you in that place, keeps you in that state of not being free, of lacking, of needing more, of needing to achieve more and accomplish more and get more and be somewhere else. It's just a letting go of that. And, and if you're not thinking about yourself so much, there isn't any comparisons to have left. Because if there isn't the idea of yourself relative to anything else, you just are where you're at. It's like, oh, okay. And, and that's it. And it's the interesting part is that we want typically when we're trying to get to freedom, it's because it's still an idea, we want to bring ourself to freedom and, and be able to have this idea that, oh, I'm a free person. I'm a free idea. I'm a free concept. And that's an oxymoron. Free concept. There is no free concept. Every concept is a prison and every idea of yourself. So in order to be free, you can't be thinking about yourself. You can't have both. You can't keep thinking about yourself and where you lie relative to everything else in reality and be free. It's the letting go of that, of being something in reality that is freedom. And people hear that and they're like, ooh, wait a second. I don't know about that. And it's like, yeah, it's uncomfortable at first because it's not something you're used to. It's different. That's all. Freedom is different. Freedom is uncertainty. Freedom is raw uncertainty, but it's freedom. You want to be free from the suffering, the comparison, the desire to be somewhere else. You got to stop thinking about yourself so much. And through that, you're free. And I wanted to address that quickly because there is a follow-up question here. The cessation of all mental processes is a subtractive process, not something that's gained. And I wanted to say, as much as we're saying, you're thinking about yourself, stop doing that. Your brain will never stop doing that. So if you're waiting for a cessation of thought, you're never going to be free. It's just about a detachment or a non-attachment to the thought. Just because thought is happening doesn't mean it's you thinking. Really important to recognize that you don't have to be participating in thoughts. They are already happening. It's what your brain does. It thinks. 
That doesn't mean you have to be in there identifying with those thoughts as they happen. So it's not necessarily a cessation of thought so much as a cessation of your attachment to that thought. It's just like the wind, it blows by, you're not like, that's me. When you try and grab it, it just goes by, right? And the same is true for thoughts. Thoughts go by. Don't grab them. Don't think, oh God, that means something about me. Just let them go. They're already processing. They're already doing their thing. It's not like they exist for nothing. They're part of something that's happening. You don't have to get involved. Okay? You're going to catch the glimpses that are important to you based on your triggers and what's important to you and your self-image. The point is, is that that process is going to change as you go. But as long as you're grabbing onto thought and thinking it means something about you, you're stopping it from processing what it was doing, which might be what's holding you back. And on top of that, if you do grab on the thought, don't judge yourself for grabbing onto the thought and think that that means anything about you. Because immediately, it's like if you're used to grabbing onto the thoughts, you're like, fuck, I grabbed it on the thought, thought again. Oh, I'm so, so dumb. I'm so lost. I'm so, I need to be free. I want this. And it's like, no, that's okay too. <laughs> Wherever you're at, let go of that idea that it means anything about you, even if you get caught up. And judging yourself for you know holding on to the thought and then on top of that don't judge yourself if you start judging yourself because then you're just lost in it again and that's an endless cycle so it's a letting go of wherever you're at and recognizing that each time you let go even if it's just for a little bit progress you allow yourself to recognize that that's a possibility you can do that that you haven't done before and then all of a sudden things start to shift little tiny shifts eventually like uh, avalanche, we've used that example before. Like just a couple little pieces of snow start to crack and all of a sudden it's like a whole fucking avalanche goes. But it's those first couple that are that are the most vital because that's where the shift happens. Like we're so habitual, we get caught up in doing the same thing over and over. As soon as we see a slightly different perspective, it opens a door. And oftentimes we run back to you know what we know and what's what's known, but that shift, it's okay. It's different, but that's what leads to it. And it's not like everyone gets so caught up in like, oh, I just want to be free for myself. I want to be free. I want to be free. And it's like, careful. It's a lot different than where you're at right now. If you're very caught up in your idea of yourself, it's not like just pure bliss at all times. It's raw uncertainty. And it's it's not something that you just get to. Then it's like, okay, I'm good. It's like there's always shit happening. It's a moment to moment thing. So even getting caught up in the idea of like, oh, it's, you know, I'm going to let go of myself and then I'm going to be free is a fucking illusion. Like that doesn't exist either, but it's a practice. And through the repetition, kind of get better at it. And so each moment it gets a little bit easier as you let it go. But eventually, you know, you get caught back up in your shit and then it's a letting go of the idea that it means anything about you, but through getting caught up in the shit, you're able to learn more shit. <laughs> and then, you're, you know, eventually you come back to a, to a clearer mentality. And then, you know, you recognize all the shit you were holding onto and it kind of informs your ability to inevitably, when you get caught, caught back up in the shit, you know, you go through it again. It's like continues, but yeah, like Ray said, don't rush it because it is different. It's, it's like wanting to, it's like, you need the sort of base that allows you to, when the insights come, 
they're on a sturdy ground instead of just absolutely rocking the shit out of your world. Because if it happens too fast, it's going to rock you because it's something that you're not used to. It's just like any other experience in life. It's something you're not used to, something that's very new. And all of a sudden you go to the end of it, like, whoa, you don't have any balance and you're going to be rocked and, and potentially just run right back to where you've been and be like, I don't want that anymore. And then you're going to, you know, it's going to take even more work to, to let go of that. So, yeah, that happens a lot. We've had people express that. And I've had a lot of people express that over my life where they get too far down and then they talk to somebody about it who doesn't have any experience with that whatsoever. That person rejects or judges or, or, or something like that. They panic. And then all of a sudden that person's like, oh, you can't live in the world this way. And they double back down on the ego that had made them so unhappy. It's like, I'm just going to have to cope with this, I guess. It's like, oh, it's just that you, you went all the way to the other end and then you're trying to figure out where the bridge is, but you've skipped all the in-between parts that would have informed how obvious that bridge is. Right? So it's, it's a matter of time and not rushing it. It's really important just not to rush it. Uh, we are going to wrap up here in about five minutes, but I wanted to take a quick moment to remind everybody that there is a, there is a second Dualistic Unity Retreat coming up on April 1st. I'm so stoked about this. I've been talking to a few of the people that are coming. Of course, I met with uh, Chef Caitlin uh, two days ago in Victoria just for lunch, having coffee, talk about the future of dualistic unity and the next retreat. She has some meal plans already set. Like she's already thinking about how she's going to dazzle us again with her fantastic, fantastic cooking. So if you can join us, April 1st to April 9th. It starts a Saturday. It ends the Sunday after. So there's only five work days that you would be missing. I understand it seems like a long time, but we're going to make sure that the cost of your ticket covers everything. Um, basically, you're, you're going to have group yoga. There's a guitar player, all of your meals. Uh, there's going to be some cannabis there. Everything that we'll just say, we're going to cover everything. So the cost of your ticket very much covers everything for that week. You don't have to worry about anything else. And you get access to Andrew and myself for a solid nine days. And I mean that. We go out of our way to try and spend time with everyone. We make sure that we have a one-on-one -on -one walk at least one or two times throughout the week. We sit down with you for 15, 20 minutes, sometimes longer if nobody else is, is around. And it's just a chance to hang with you. It's so much more in terms of value then you will ever find paying for a one-on-one -on -one session. And I mean that, not just with, with us, but with any therapist. I mean, you don't get a chance to live in that therapist's life. And so all you see is what they're showing you, right? All, all you see is what they want you to see. We want you to see us so you can recognize there's nothing about you that you need to hide. Yeah, if, if there's anything coming out of that i recognize is the power of just being able to spend a week with your guard down spend a week being yourself in every way shape and form which you know ray and i are being that as well <laughs> like we're, we're very much like unhinged uncut like not trying to be any fucking leader or teacher or host or guru or fucking whatever idea you may have of us in any way, shape or form is not the reality of what it is. Like we're on a retreat with you guys too, as much as you're on a retreat with us and we're just hanging out, having a good time, being ourself and, and allowing you to completely be yourself and live in a state without 
a fear of judgment, without a concern for how you're going to be perceived, without a concern of what people are going to think of you, that so many people exist there throughout their entire life, they exist in that state of concern. And, and so through that week of being able to experience that, you may recognize that, oh, that is possible. Oh, I can't exist in this state. Oh, I don't have to be afraid constantly of what the world is going to do to me because I'm the world. And so as, as my mentality shifts, as I change, as I have impacts in my life and society and conversations, everything changes with me. And that's, that's kind of the recognition that really came across to me. And I know many others from the retreat. So yeah, it's, it's an incredible nine, nine days and you know, all your meals paid for fantastic meals, by the way, uh, time with us, classical guitarists, yoga sessions, lots of hikes in some of the coolest forests karaoke. I've ever seen in my life. Lots of karaoke pool, as we said, non-alcoholic substances. Bonfire. Uh, it, it's, it's magical. It really is. There's a hot tub. There's a sauna. It's great. And there's this sweet gazebo that we can all hang out with or hang out in outside. It's got a fireplace inside the gazebo. Nice wood burning fireplace. It's incredible. It really is in terms of being just the ideal location for a hangout with friends that you've known for eternity, but forgot that you knew for eternity. So it's a nice place to remember that and to be able to just bask in the fact that you don't have to be anything. We don't want you to be anything. We're happy with everything that you are and everything you've become. And I wanted to say quickly that that is the one shared sentiment among everybody who came to the retreat that it was perfect and appropriate for the journey that they've had up until that point. And that's what we wanted. We wanted it to feel like everything that you've ever struggled for and through all the work that you've done on yourself, this is kind of like a reward. This is kind of like an opportunity to just kind of soak in how much you've done and really, really enjoy the result before you get back into the world of people who don't see it or can't appreciate it. We can, absolutely. And we're so excited for you. So if you can join us, we'd love to see you. Uh, tickets will be publicly available as of December 23rd, so Friday this week. If you would like to get tickets before then, you can join us on Patreon. Early access is available. Uh, different tiers on Patreon get different levels of discounts on the retreat ticket as well. So that is definitely something to consider. Uh, tier three gets a $300 discount on the ticket tier two gets $150 discount and tier one gets a $50 discount. So it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, and of course you get to chat with us all the time and you get some merch. So there's a lot of reasons to join us on Patreon for sure. Um, that's it. We're going to end this dualistic unity raw episode here. Thank you so much for joining us and participating in the chat. We do encourage you listener. If you didn't get a chance to join us on dualistic unity raw this week, Join us next week, uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. You can find the schedule on the website at dualisticunity.com. Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining. Bye, everyone.